Jesus is the reason for the season. So on this episode, we're having a conversation about Jesus' birth and his second coming, his imminent return. This is the Your Faith at Work podcast, here to help you transform the way you live and work every day. I'm Ryan Howard, and each Monday I'll bring you a five-minute devotional message, and on Thursday you'll hear a conversation about things that matter and what's going on in the world. This podcast will challenge, inspire, and equip you to understand the times, stand for truth, and partner with God every day in your life and work. Visit yourfaithatwork.org to learn more and download your free gift. Well, Merry Christmas. What an amazing time of year. This is uh, such a great time of year. We get to, hopefully you're able to spend time with family and friends and those close to you and you're enjoying this time. And I don't know if you got snow where you're at listening. We sure got snow here in Iowa. Uh, I'm sure we got lots more to come. But, uh, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. We got to keep Christ in Christmas. That's That's what this is all about. And, you know, there's some very key events uh, that took place that's uh, in the Bible, and uh, most notably, God coming to earth to redeem mankind. And we want to talk about his birth, Christ's birth, and uh, also his imminent return, something that is not talked about enough today, even in the churches. And so we need to be prepared for Christ's return. And so we're going to talk about that. And... I want to talk about how we have evidence of the Bible's supernatural origin. That's incredible. It's many different evidences there, but uh, one of them in particular is biblical prophecy. But before we get into that, let's talk about why Jesus even had to come to earth in the first place. You know, God created uh, mankind and earth and all creation for his glory. And he created man to have a relationship with him. And in the garden, Adam and Eve uh, were in the garden. But they chose that they disobeyed. You know, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that separated them from God. Because God is holy, uh, and He can't have anything or anyone that's not holy in His presence. They were removed from His presence, removed from His garden. But God loved them so much that He made a plan. And this plan was He knew this would happen before the foundation of the world. You see, God is outside of time and space and matter. He created all of those things. He's infinite uh, and eternal. And so what God did was uh, he loved man so much, his creation. And this is incredible. He didn't just wipe it and start over. Uh, He provided a way. So he said, you know what? Man cannot save himself. There's no way to do it. And so he actually came into the world as Jesus Christ and lived the perfect life and and the sinless life and was crucified as a sacrifice. And he died on the cross, was resurrected, but he did that as a payment for our sins. You see, the Bible is a love story. <laughs> the, 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 it's not just a book of commands, you know, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Those, those uh, things in the Bible are so that we can have the best life uh, that God has that, that he wants for us to have and we can have that relationship with him. But we need to know Jesus Christ. And that's giving our lives fully to him, making him not only our Savior but also our Lord. But you see, it's that it's God's love that he came to earth. He wanted a relationship with us so much that he came to earth to die for us. And so that's the gospel. And so we've given our life to Christ. Well, now let's talk a little bit about um, evidence of this supernatural origin. So, you know, 
something called biblical prophecy, you know, where it's like predicting future events. Uh, there's different types of prophecy, but that's one in particular. And the Bible includes 737 separate matters that are predicted with over 1,800 different predictions. And those are things ranging from the life of Christ, the birth of Christ, the return of Christ, uh, rise and fall of different kingdoms, along with many other different matters. And I'm referencing the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy uh, from Barton Payne, J. Barton Payne. Incredible book. Highly recommend it. And, uh, you know, talking about just the life of Christ, there's 127 different prophecies and 3,348 verses in the Bible uh, that predict things about the life of Christ. And I want to bring something to your attention. If you've ever heard of, uh, you know, if you look at the history of the Bible, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was actually written in Hebrew, Greek, and uh, Aramaic. And the actual Old Testament written in Hebrew, okay, this is thousands of years ago. And in the 3rd century B.C., so that's 300 years before Christ came, the Old Testament was translated in from Hebrew into Greek. And that's what we call the Septuagint translation. Seventy Jewish scholars got together and did this translation. And that's, that's just basic historical fact. Well, that clearly means that uh, this Hebrew text was written before that. And so all of these predictions are from before Christ. And so we have evidence of a supernatural origin. And when you start to actually calculate the... Uh, the the probabilities of one person, Jesus Christ, one person fulfilling all of those prophecies, let alone even a few of them, the, the numbers just become astronomical. There's a certain point to which mathematicians say that if something is, is such a small probability, it, it is considered impossible. It will never happen. Well, it takes just a few of the, just a handful of these hundreds of, uh, over a hundred prophecies uh, to be fulfilled by fulfilled by one person for it to become mathematically impossible. It would never happen. Well, unless it's God predict saying what's going to happen because He's outside of time, space, and matter and knows the future, knows what's going to happen. And that's what we have. That's exactly what we have in the in the case of Christ. And so, if we look at Christ's birth in Isaiah nine six, that's this famous verse we always see. It says, "For unto us a child is born," and that's talking about the coming Messiah. You know, another prophecy uh, is that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem in Micah 5.2. That was written 700 years before the coming of Christ. 700 years. And that would have been translated in that Septuagint translation. That was translated just a few hundred, you know, 400 years after it was written and a few hundred years before Christ even came. And so just incredible uh, there. And we talked about that uh, on in our last episode about how God made that happen, got uh, Mary and Joseph down to Bethlehem for Jesus to be born there and fulfill that prophecy. There's a lot that had to happen there. Um, Genesis 3.15 prophesied that uh, the Messiah would be born uh, from a woman, uh, uh, as the seed of a woman wouldn't just appear on earth, you know. Uh, he would be the son of God, Psalm 2, others in First Chronicles and Second Samuel, uh, that he'd be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14. That he'd be presented with gifts when he was born, Psalm 72.10. Uh, the Bible even predicted that Herod would kill children when the Messiah was born. Jeremiah 31.15, check that out. And there's all kinds of separate ones as well regarding Jesus' genealogy. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesse, David, 
there's separate prophecies that each one of those Jesus genealogy so that's all that's all fulfilled and that he would be born from the tribe of Judah not his brother Joseph but Judah and so these are all just incredible i mean it it, it the bible we need to take the bible seriously because it i mean these things the bible is one continuous story it tells one it's all it all flows together it was written over a period of 1500 years by 40 different authors and clearly supernatural origin inspired by the holy spirit writing through all of these authors just in, in incredible work and so now we got, so jesus lived on earth he died uh was was killed died for us as a sacrifice and then he was resurrected and that we could do an episode on that all the evidence for that it's just incredible you got these forensics people that do these investigations like a cold case uh investigations on uh where you know it's from stuff long ago and they've got to dig up all this evidence and they conclude that he was resurrected and that's the best case that's the best fit for the explanation for the uh evidence that we have and which is incredible there's a lot more to say about that but if we look at christ's second coming okay now this is something that we really want to always be thinking about. I mean, when I, I remember when I first started uh, learning about this, you think, oh my gosh, he's, he's coming this week, he's coming tomorrow, or he's coming next month. And he, you start, you live like that, where you got this sense of urgency. And then it can kind of wear off a little bit, and then you don't think about it a while, and that sense of urgency can kind of wear off. But we cannot let it wear off. You know, the, the church needs to be talking about this. We need to be thinking about this in our lives. You know, we... Uh, we need to be close to Christ all the time. I mean, if you really think about it, if you knew he was coming back tomorrow or next week and you knew exactly how much time you had left, would you change anything about your priorities or about what's going on in life or about, you know, who you're talking to Je- uh, who you're talking about Jesus to? You know, or is there anybody on your list or would you be praying differently or would you be, you know, think like that. I mean, really take some time and reflect and just say, okay, are there, is there some adjustments I need to make? Boy, that is sure convicting for me. I mean, I, I, um, we want to know, like just all of a sudden that trumpet blows and Jesus comes down, he's there. We're going to be standing there or caught up and, and then what? I mean, are we going to be happy? with what we've been doing and our priorities and that sort of thing? Or are we going to have a little bit of regret and some remorse and just thinking, man, I should have been more serious about this. I should have spent more time with the Lord. I should have known the word better. I should have, like, don't should yourself. (laughs) Let's, let's not do that. Let's just make the change, you know, and, and I want to be real clear. This is very convicting for me. I mean, I, I want to be reminded of this often. And so let's get back to that sense of urgency. Let's live with that sense of urgency. You know, I, I pray that uh, the church would wake up to this. You know, we're in some times right now where there's a lot of fear out there, and Christians have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. It's, it's God. It's living for him. He removes all fear. The only thing worth fearing is God, the fear of God. That's the beginning of knowledge. And what's the fear of God? Well, that's that reverence and awe. We, we know um what God is capable of and who uh, he is and and that he's got us covered. We know we can trust him, but we got to know Jesus Christ. We got to have that relationship with him. 
So looking at Jesus' second coming, you know, there's 52 different prophecies in the Bible about his second coming. Over 400 verses talk about Christ's second coming. And, you know, one of the things that uh, we hear about a lot about is, you know, when is it going to happen? There's going to be a tribulation. Is it pre-trib, trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all that? You know, that's another topic. But there's something called the rapture. And a lot of people, this is where, uh, you know, all the Christians are just disappear from the earth. And that, that's something that sounds um, kind of wild, you know, but it's in the Bible. And a lot of people question, well, it's not there. And they talk about the Greek and, and these certain words. But what they don't talk about is the Greek word harpazo, which is uh, means to snatch up or to be caught up. And there's a picture of a wedding uh, that I'm going to talk about in just a, uh, a minute here. But, you know, Jesus in Matthew 25, uh, he talks about the... Uh, the ten bridesmaids and the, the that parable, and we'll get into that in just a second here. But you know, just a couple of the prophecies um, for what we are going to see with the second coming of Christ. You know, one is uh, that there'll be heavenly phenomena that's prophesied in seven different books in Joel, Zechariah, Mark, Matthew, Luke, Acts, Revelation, and it's eighteen different verses, full verses that are talking about that. Uh, it also talks about. Um, how God will protect his church from harm. Two different books talk about that. Uh, Christ will send his angels with a great trumpet. There's four different books in the Bible that talk about that. Uh, The living church will be caught up. That rapture that I talk about, 13 different books in the Bible reference that. It's not just Revelation. 13 different books. I think that's pretty surprising to hear. Um, And if you're interested in that, more on that, let me know. But that that Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy book from uh, J. J. Barton Payne was uh, one I'd highly recommend. Um, But it's just fascinating. You know, Isaiah, Daniel, uh, Joel, Zechariah, Matthew, Acts, Romans, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, you know, all these, Revelation, of course, they all talk about uh, this rapture. And, uh, well, one of the most... uh, (laughs) Uh, kind of critical ones that we need to keep in mind is one that's prophesied in eight different books of the Bible, including Matthew, Luke, uh, Mark, Romans, Philippians, James, First Peter, and Revelation, is that the return of Christ will occur at any time. In other words, it's imminent. It could happen right now. It could happen before you finish this podcast, uh, before you finish listening to this episode, any time. And we need to be ready. And so... the. It could have happened ever since the, the resurrection of Christ. You know, it, it, we were waiting. We're, we're in the end times. Ever since Jesus was resurrected, we've been in the end times. And so uh, if we look at, uh, it, so this, this parable of the ten bridesmaids, you know, if you recall, Jesus uh, told this parable how the bridesmaids were all there waiting for the groom to come get the bride, and they didn't have, half of them had enough oil to keep their lamps lit, and the others did not. And so they were asking, give us some of your oil, and but they, they wouldn't. They said, go buy some. Well, they went to buy some because they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. They weren't careful. And then the, the groomsmen came, and the brides, the bride and the bridesmaid, the five bridesmaids went with the groom, and they went into the party, and they closed the door. And when the other five bridesmaids came, when they finally got their oil, the door was shut. And it was too late. It was too late. They didn't have oil. They weren't ready. And now there's a uh, a new a documentary that came out called Before the Wrath. And it's a film that it kind of combines uh, dramatic 
uh, acting and interactions along with uh, a documentary style explanation and it is incredible someone a friend of our my wife and me gave gave it to us as a gift and we were to watch it and give it to someone else and i would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it and um again that's called uh, before the wrath and well it talks about uh modern archaeological discoveries from the time of christ that give us a lot of insight into that parable and about the rapture and the return of Christ. And just in a quick summary, the in the in Galilee, uh, they had a very specific kinds of weddings that they did, where it was a very public thing, and it was like everybody would gather in the square, and it would basically the proposal would be made, and the the with wine and the the from the groom, and then the bride would either drink the cup or not drink the cup, and then they and to accept it or not accept it. And then they would separate for a year and they would go, she would go get prepared, get everything ready. He would go add a room to his father's house and be ready for them to live in. And then they waited. They waited after they were ready. They waited for the father to tell the son, okay, go get your bride, go get your bride. And the bride, once the time came for her to be ready, it could be at any moment. I mean, literally, they had to uh, like sleep in their clothes. They had to keep their oil tri- oil lamps trimmed, which means they just had them filled with oil and oil drawn up into the wick so that it was nice and bright. And they had to have that ready because when the father and it, often at midnight or after midnight, the the father would say, "Okay, now's the time. Go get your bride." The son would go get the bride. The trumpets would go. They'd go through the through the town. Anybody who was ready would come out and join the procession. And the bride and the bridesmaids would need to be awake and there and ready. And then they'd go back and and they would march through the town and go back to the house. And then they would start the seven day celebration. And the door was shut, and it would not open for anybody who wasn't ready, who wasn't there in time. How, what a beautiful picture. You know, I mean, literally, imagine if that groom came and the bride just was kind of lazy, wasn't ready. I mean, just, oh, whoops, yeah, let me get my dress on, and uh, let me get the, uh, oh, come on, other ladies, let's go. I mean, how embarrassing would that be? I mean, it's just, it would have been a travesty. It would have been very tragic. And so... That's the exact picture. You know, they, the, the groom shows up and the bride and the bridesmaids are all there waiting, anticipating, excited, ready to go, and had their oil ready. You see, now that's the picture. Those bridesmaids were ready. And you see, that's the beautiful picture of what we need to do. We need to be ready. We need to keep our oil filled in our lamps, keep that light lit. Okay, we need to be staying close to Christ. We need to, be, we need to know him because, uh, you know, in Matthew 7, uh, 21 to 23 is where Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, and then he goes on and says, you know, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? You know, didn't we go to church? Didn't we read our Bible? Didn't we do all this religious stuff? <laughs> and Jesus says, yeah, but I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. You know, I got a sign on our vehicle that says no Jesus because that's that's what it's all about. We all that religious stuff, all the other do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Doesn't matter if we don't know Jesus Christ. We have that relationship with him, we repent, turn away from our our old ways, and we trust him with our life and we give everything to him. And so 
that Jesus would say, well done, good and faithful servant, when he comes to get his bride, when he comes to get us so that we can uh, know him and do exactly what he wants us to do, that we can live for him now and be ready when he comes. And so, you know, Second Peter 1.10 says to be all the more diligent to confirm that you're, you're calling an election. Another, another version says be diligent to make your calling an election sure. So are you ready? Do you know Jesus? You know, we need to stay close to him all the time. We need to stay close to him all the time. So praise God, we, we have a, a God that uh, died for us that because he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you don't have that, you can start that today. Do not go to sleep before you deal with that and or before you commit to staying close with the Lord again. And so, uh, or re- or just confirm your commitment if you're already doing that. And so, and be excited because, you know, we serve an amazing God and everything we do matters. God is, is right here with us. You know, your faith at work, the whole goal here is to, like we say, transform the way you live and work because it all has meaning. Nothing is arbitrary. God has provision for you for everything that comes your way in life and work, and he will use everything for your good uh, for those of us who are called according to his purposes. And so uh, let's enjoy that. Walk by faith. Trust and rely on God. So God bless you this Christmas season. I hope that you're having a great time with your family and friends, and uh, make sure that you're ready. Keep that oil in the lamp. Keep it trimmed. Stay close to the Lord as you know him. So God bless, and we'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, and you can help us spread the word by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with your friends. Visit yourfaithatwork.org to learn more.